0: Welcome to River Edge Podcasts. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Isn't it great to be here? Yes. yes, I'm happy to be here. So, we've been doing a series on fighting our battles. Who's been enjoying that? Excellent. So, we've talked about fighting our battles as worshippers, worship warriors we've talked about fighting our battles being bridled with our words purposeful with our words talked about fighting our battles from a place of surrender which Adrian spoke about last week which is so good so i'm going to continue that theme this morning about how we fight our battles and i'm i'm going to talk about identifying the enemy because we know If we have a battle going on, there's an enemy, isn't there? There's an enemy in every battle. But it's really important for us to be able to clearly identify who the enemy is and who the enemy isn't. Yes? Do you agree with that? So I want to begin by reading a passage of Scripture out of Revelation that talks about who who the captain of our army is. And I was looking for an image to put up on the screen that would inspire you. And I couldn't find anything that really captured this this awesome description of, of our Lord and Saviour as our captain of the armies of the Lord. But I thought if, if I ask you to close your eyes, then the Holy Spirit can inspire your imagination. And you'll be able to get a, get a vision of who... Of our awesome captain of our army, Jesus. So close your eyes. I'm going to read the passage to you. And we're going to ask the Holy Spirit just to give you a revelation of who's fighting for you, who's who's leading you into battle, who's going before you and fighting your battles. So this is what it says. I saw heaven and earth standing open and there before me was a white horse. Whose writer is called Faithful and True. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but himself. He's dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. The armies of heaven are following him. Riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the Lord Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh, he has the name written King of Kings. And Lord of Lords. On his n- robe and on his thigh, he has the name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. It's a pretty awesome image, isn't it? Of our almighty commander of our army. He's the one that goes before us. And it's good to remember that, isn't it? Puts it all in perspective. He's the one that fights our battles. We're not alone. We don't have to fight anything alone. He goes before us. And when Joshua was about to go into the Battle of Jericho, it says he saw a man on a white horse. And he approached him. He didn't know who he was. And he approached him and said, Who are you? And it was actually Jesus. And he spoke to him and said, I'm the commander of the army, I'm the Lord God Almighty. And he said, take off your sandals, you're standing on holy ground. You know, and sometimes um, Jesus is right there with us. He's always right there with us, in fact. Because he says, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. He's always right there with us, but sometimes we don't recognise him. But when we do, we're in awe. We're in awe of how amazing he is. So... He's right with us. The word describes us as an army, us, all of us, all of us here in this room today. The word of God says that we are an army, that we have a co-mission, a mission together, not a a mission as individuals, although, you know, we walk out our mission as individuals, but we also walk it out together. We have a co-mission together to do damage to the kingdom of darkness and to build the kingdom of light. That's our commission together as the army of God, as the family of God, as the church of God. We have a commission together and every single one of us is called to enlist in that commission. That's part of what we're called for when we accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour and commander of our life. So, you know, we like, we like the metaphor that we're a family. Who likes that metaphor? We like the metaphor that we're a body and we'll have a part in the body. Who likes that metaphor? Who likes the metaphor that we need to do something and we need to step up to action because we're an army? Yeah? So we're called to be all of those things. And when we're all submitted to his work, lordship, it works really well. When we're all focused on him as lord, it works well because we're working together. We have a singular focus. Does that make sense? Yeah. When we're all submitted to one another and we're walking in grace and love, it works. Doesn't it? Yeah. But if one of us goes rogue and goes off and does our own thing, or two of us or three of us or 10 of us or 20 of us, is it working? Are we, are we a cohesive army if some of us are going off rogue and disappearing for months at a time or weeks at a time and doing our own thing and not connecting, not turning up, not, not being there, not being present, does it work? Are we, are we an effective army if some of us are off doing our own thing? If we go rogue, it doesn't really work, does it? If we uh, forget who the enemy is, is it going to work? If we're attacking those that we're meant to love, respect and protect, is it going to work? No, it's not going to work, is it? Ephesians 6.12 clearly says that our fight is not against flesh and blood. Everyone say not against flesh and blood. It clearly says it's not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities, against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So if you're fighting against anyone ever who has flesh and who has blood, they are not your enemy. The Word of God clearly says our fight is not against anyone who has flesh or blood ever, but it's against the enemy. It's against the dark forces. And people can, can be affected by dark forces, but they are not the enemy. They are never the enemy. We have to be aware who the real enemy is. And it says in John 10.10, 10, the thief, Satan, comes to steal and kill and destroy. That is his job description. He is our one and only enemy. He is our one and only foe. Nobody that has flesh and blood is our enemy. And we need to remember that we're never called to fight people. We're only ever called to fight our true enemy. Earlier this year, a soldier in the UK was formally charged after going rogue during a computer game on a virtual battlefield. In the UK, in March this year, the UK soldiers, the army I I think. I've got the. I've got actually got the article here. They were doing. They do a lot of online training now, so they don't necessarily do all their training out in the field. They do a lot of it simulated on computers now, right? So they were in a training exercise, and he actually went rogue and shot one. Shot one of his fellow soldiers on the computer training, right? And he was formally charged. And this is what the. Um, This is what the article says. A soldier has been formally charged after losing his rag. (laughs) Is that a a UK term? (laughs) During a virtual battlefield exercise and killing his comrades. The Edinburgh-based Army Rifleman is believed to be the first soldier to be punished under UK military law for offences, offences in a virtual scenario rather than in real life. He is said to have been fed up with being stuck at a computer rather than in training outside. (laughs) A source from the 3rd Battalion told the Mail, the Telegraph, on Sunday, we spent two weeks sitting in front of laptops pretending we were in a really hostile urban environment. I'd challenge anyone to take it that seriously for that long. All this was taking place in an office at our headquarters when we'd rather be doing real life soldiering outside in the fresh air. But there's less of that sort of exercise these days because the army has committed to unit-based virtual training. We were supposed to imagine we were travelling in armoured vehicles through a really hostile, built-up area. One of the lads just lost his rag and opened fire, as it were, killing the soldier next to him. He then drove down the street, deliberately smashing into cars. It's safe to say the officers in our battalion did not find it as funny as we did. So... If a soldier can lose the plot in a video game, what's he going to do in a real battle yeah. when he's had enough? It's a bit scary, isn't it? So you can see why they actually had to officially charge him with losing his rag, <laughs> going rogue. And and we we might think it's ridiculous, you know, to turn on your own the soldiers that are fighting with you and to and to kill them, but. How often do we get frustrated and turn on the people that we're meant to be fighting alongside? How often do we get to the point where we've had enough and we start getting our eyes off the real battle and start attacking the people that are meant to be fighting alongside us? And when a soldier forgets who the real enemy is, he becomes dangerous. He becomes destructive to the very thing that is meant to be protecting. So when we forget who the real enemy is, we can become dangerous and destructive to the kingdom rather than being constructive and building the kingdom of God. If we start to attack each other, we become destructive. We're meant to protect and build each other up. One of the main tactics of the enemy is he likes to create a diversion. He doesn't want us to be to be focusing on you know, not that we need to focus on the enemy, but we definitely need to be aware of who he is and what he's about. So he likes to create a diversion, a smokescreen. Oh, what's going on over there? Oh, what's going on with that person? Oh, you need to do something about that. And um, the trouble is that we often fall for it. We often fall, f- fall for those diversions. If he can get us distracted, he's happy. If he can get us off focus, he's happy. The trouble is when we fight battles we were never meant to fight, it can take up a lot of time and a lot of energy that we're supposed to be putting into fighting the true battle, the true battle. We can spend our whole lives fighting battles against people, against circumstances that we're never meant to fight in the first place. We are called to be soldiers who know who the enemy is and who can be focused and together. So we're just going to go through a few points on who the enemy is not. Are you ready to go? You're all good? good? The enemy is not a church or a ministry. The enemy is never a church or a ministry. And we went to Hillsong earlier this year. And thankfully they'd stopped it this year. But the two years previous, when we were also there, they had people that had positioned themselves... On platforms so that when you were walking into the conference, they they were yelling out, saying Hillsong is evil, the way they worship is evil, the way they take up their offering, what they preach is evil. And these were supposed to be fellow Christians, our brothers and sisters in Christ, that were hating on Hillsong and fighting a battle they were never meant to fight. Because we're never meant to fight against other churches or other ministries or our brothers and sisters in Christ. We're meant to celebrate our diversity. If there's another church that that celebrates Jesus as Lord and Saviour and they do it different to us, let's celebrate that. That's good. You know, it's different horses for different courses. If people like to worship a bit differently, that's okay. That's okay. If they're worshipping Jesus, it's good, isn't it? It's good things. So let's celebrate it. And, you know, we walked past these people one day and I just said to them, we love you because they were coming in a spirit of hatred and I just wanted to operate in a different spirit because sometimes we have to come in a different spirit to remind people what it's really all about and I just looked one of them in the face and I said we love you because it's about love. We're called to fight a battle of passionate love for for one another and for the kingdom. We're not meant to fight against each other or or tear each other apart or criticise each other. And sadly, a lot of haters in the world today are Christians. You only have to go online to see people slagging Hillsong and sledging the triple C and sledging Bill Johnson and sledging... Bill Hybles and sledging, 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 and it's a battle we're not meant to fight. We're meant to pray for each other and uphold each other. And if someone's fallen, let's let's uphold them in prayer and not gossip about it. The the enemy is never a church or a ministry. Number two, the enemy is never anyone in this room. It's never anyone in this room. We're not meant to attack the hand on the other side of our body, are we? We're never meant to attack each other, undermine each other, criticise each other. A healthy body will look after all its limbs. My body sends blood to my little finger and my little toe and everything in between. And that's, and that's what we do as the body of Christ. We take care of every part of us. We nurture, we nourish, and we care for each other. And that's what a healthy body does. And we need to have a good immune system as, as the body of Christ. So if any kind of disease tries to come in, anything that's unhealthy, anything that tries to come in and attack us, we stand as a united force and say, no, we are a healthy body. We are a healthy body. We don't entertain anything that's going to eat at or consume or any kind of gossip or any kind of slander or any kind of yucky stuff in a healthy body, we reject that. We reject it, just like your immune system rejects the cold virus if you're healthy and strong. We, as the body of Christ, build ourselves up. Does that make sense? Number three, the enemy is not the person that cuts you off in traffic. (laughs) <laughs> or the person standing in front of you at the supermarket that's taking forever. I always, I think God's trying to teach me patience because I'm really good at picking the longest, slowest moving line every single time. Every single time. I do. I'm, I'm renowned for it. I'm known for it. Um, but, you know, those people aren't our enemy. And Stephen was talking last week how, how he can really easily, Easily get distracted by one of those people that you know passes you in a 60 zone doing 110, and you're like, Oh, what are you thinking? But they're not our enemy, and we're not meant to rage against them because we are ambassadors. We are Christ's ambassadors, not just on Sunday. We are Christ's ambassadors when we're driving, when we're in the supermarket, when we're at the airport, when we're in a long line that's moving really slowly. We are Christ's ambassadors. And we bring patience and kindness wherever we go. (laughs) Number four, everyone say number four. four. Your spouse is not your enemy. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Never. Your spouse is never your enemy. Do they have flesh and blood? Then they're not your enemy. Revelation 12.10 talks about Satan as the accuser of the brothers and sisters. Satan comes and he brings accusations in our minds against people all the time. He's the accuser and he's a liar so he can't tell the truth ever. So he, he comes and he says things like, You know, if they really loved you, they wouldn't do that. And if they really loved you, they'd do this and they always do that and they never do that and da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And if we're not careful, we can start agreeing with me. Yeah, we can start agreeing with him. Yeah, they do always do that. And yeah, if they really love me, they wouldn't do that, would they? And before we know it, we've got a list of wrongs, a record of wrongs, as long as our arm against the person that we're meant to do life with, the person that we're meant to battle, fight battles with, the person that's our partner. And we need to just take that list of wrongs and screw it up and throw it in the fire and not, not partner with that. And it's the same in any relationship. He comes and he brings accusation because he wants to cause division. Because he knows when we're divided, we're not as strong as when we're together. So he wants to bring division. So don't agree with his accusations. We need to say, no, I'm not agreeing with that. No, I'm not speaking like that. No, I'm not thinking like that. I'm going to speak well. I'm going to pray for the best. I'm going to expect the best. I'm going to see the good in that person all the time. I'm going to see the good in that person all the time. That's how we build strong foundations, strong relationships, resilient relationships is by speaking the best, thinking the best, agreeing with the best, agreeing with how God sees them. Yeah. Number five, Someone else's success is not your enemy. When someone else succeeds, it doesn't mean that you have failed. Or someone else's gifting is not your enemy. Someone else's talent does not diminish your talent or your gifting. We need to celebrate other people's success. As as a church, we need to celebrate each other's successes. We need to rejoice with those who rejoice like the Word of God says and not do the Aussie culture thing, tall poppy syndrome, where if someone's doing really well, we feel like we have to tear them down to keep them humble. It's not our job to keep people humble. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's our job to celebrate each other, to lift each other up, to build each other up, to speak the best of each other. That's who we're called to be as the army of God. Yes, so don't fall for the tall poppy syndrome. Don't fall for the comparison thing where you feel like if someone else is doing well, then I'm not doing so well. That's a lie. There's enough of God's blessing for all of us. There's enough of God's favour for all of us. He loves us all. We're all his precious children. He wants to pour out his favour and his blessing on all of us. It's, it's not like he's pouring out his blessing and blessing and blessing then he gets to you and goes, oh, it's gone. There's none left. There's enough to go around, so let's celebrate it. Number six, broken people are not our enemy. Jesus didn't even treat Judas as his enemy. He knew he was going to betray him, but he still said, hey, come out. Come hang out with us. Come hang out with me and the other boys. Come and sit at our table. Come and eat with us. He treated him exactly the same as he treated the other disciples. Judas, even though he was a betrayer, betrayer, he contributed to the life of Jesus. He contributed to his purpose, didn't he? Someone had to hand him over to the soldiers, didn't they? So Judas contributed to Jesus' life and Jesus recognised that he was part of the picture and so he didn't shut him out. So let me ask you a question. Let me propose something to you. What if the person you think is your greatest obstacle or your biggest opponent right now is actually contributing to your purpose? What if they are helping you to grow to be a bigger person, a better person? What if they're increasing your capacity to love unconditionally? What if they're increasing your capacity to not take offence? What if they're helping you to be more resilient, more tenacious, more focused, more loving, more kind by pressing your buttons, by resisting you, by making it... The, the road a little bit more difficult so that you can grow bigger and stronger and put your roots down deeper and deeper and you think that they're your enemy you think that they're your opponent but they're part of your purpose God's allowing them to be in your life to teach you some things to help you to grow bigger and stronger and get a firmer back, backbone <laughs> how do we learn to forgive unless we're hurt How do we? It's not just something that automatically falls out of the sky. It's an opportunity to learn how to be forgiving. How do we learn unconditional love unless people disappoint us? Unless people reject us? How do we learn to fully rely on God unless other people let us down? Because sometimes when you've got... Nobody else around, you have to learn to rely on God 100%. I know it's not nice, but it's true, isn't it? Erwin McManus said, The best evidence of your connection and relationship with God is how it transforms your relationship with people. The best evidence of your connection and relationship with God is how... It transforms how you relate to other people. If we haven't grown in our relationships, then how well are we really connected to the Father? Jesus said, By this, everyone will know that you're my disciples because people get healed. Is that what he said? Because people get raised from the dead. Is that what he said? No, he said, because of your love for one another, because of your amazing, large, unconditional love that you have for one another. And I think the kind of love he was talking about is the kind of love that says, even when you let me down, I'm still going to love you. Even when you disappoint me, I'm still going to love you. Even when you push me away, I'm not going to let you. I'm still going to love you. Even when you backstab me, I'm still going to love you. Even if you gossip about me, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to love you no matter what you do. Even if you hurt me, I'm still going to love you. Even if, Jesus said to Peter, even if you deny me, I'm still going to love you. I'm still going to love you. That's the kind of love that goes beyond natural love into supernatural, divine love. That's the kind of love that we'll be known for. The kind of love that doesn't reject when we're rejected. The kind of love that doesn't step back when others step back. But the kind of love that leans in and embraces even when people are pushing you away. That's the kind of deep, deep supernatural well. Because we have Jesus within us, because we have the spirit within us, we have access to supernatural amazing love that goes beyond the natural. That's the kind of love that's going to make people go, wow, I need some of that in my life. That's not normal. That's not normal. I need some of that in my life. That's the kind of love that gets people's attention, isn't it? That's the kind of love that reaches down and drags people out of their circumstances. Number seven, my final point. The person telling you the truth is not your enemy. The person that tells you the truth is not your enemy. In fact, they can be your greatest ally. They can be your greatest ally. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Have you ever watched anyone build a sculpture out of metal? Have you ever seen anyone weld anything or um grind anything there's a lot of pressure involved there's a lot of heat involved there's a lot of noise involved it's it's not a very pleasant sound or sight but it creates something resilient and strong and beautiful if you have a sculpture made out of metal it can sit out in the elements and it can bear anything and it stays beautiful and it stays there and it just gets better with age Friendship is like a sculpture. And it, sometimes it involves heat and pressure, but if it's going to be resilient and long-lasting and beautiful, you need to do life with some people who are going to apply some pressure, who are going to sharpen you up. And it's not always pleasant. Stephen likes to sharpen knives in the kitchen and it's the most irritating sound ever because he, like, really, he really likes sharp knives, it's his thing, he hates blunt knives, so he stands in the kitchen and he does that, you know the iron, I can't do the noise, but oh, it's not pleasant, but the end result is good, the end result is a, is a sharp knife and it's like that in our relationships, you need people, you need to do life with people you're willing to have some friction with. If it's all nice and, oh, nobody wants to hurt anybody's feelings and nobody wants to say anything uncomfortable and none of us grow that way. We only grow when we're willing to be open, when we're willing to be honest, when we're willing to be real and speak into each other's lives and be strong enough to be able to take it and be strong enough to be able to say, thank you, thank you for telling me the truth. Thank you, you've made me a better person. Thank you for loving me enough to sharpen me up for loving me enough to get in my life and to talk some real stuff with me. Thank you. Don't resist the process if you want to be a better person. Don't resist the process. There's only one way to be sharp, and that's iron on iron. One way to be sharp. We can't short-circuit the process. We can't resist it. If we want to be better people, if we want to be bigger people, if we want to be stronger people, we have got to sharpen, allow some people in our lives that are going to sharpen us up, apply some heat, apply some pressure. Yeah? When you're prepared to tell the truth in love, you refine another. When you're prepared to receive the truth in love, you are being refined Proverbs 27.6 says, Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from the enemy. I think that's where we get the term kissing up. Some of us, you know, you don't just want people in your life who are just going to kiss up to you and tell you what you want to hear. That doesn't grow you. If you push everyone else out of your life that doesn't just tell you what you want to hear, that's dangerous. That's a dangerous place to be. There's danger in only surrounding us with people who tell us how awesome we are all the time. We need some truth. We need some truth in love. In love. Of course, we all need people to encourage us. We all need people who see the best in us. But we also need people to tell us when we're being silly, when we're being stupid. No one else is ever stupid, I know. But... um, I'm married to my best friend and we sometimes tell each other the truth and I really appreciate it when he says to me, you know, that thing that you said could have said that better, that thing that you did probably could have done that better. I know he loves me and I know he wants me to be a bigger person and, you know, I do the same with him. That's how we do life because we want to sharpen each other up. We all need friends in our lives that do that, and they're the people that are still there when things get tough. They're not fair weather friends. They're not just there to tell you what you want to hear, and then when when you're not so popular anymore, they disappear. They're people that stick by you. The people that tell you the truth are the people that are still there with you when things are getting hard and when things are getting tough. They're still right beside you. They're still praying for you. They're still. Encouraging you, holding you, but being truthful at the same time. Who has permission to speak into your life? Who have you given permission to speak into your life? Because we all need at least one person that we know is going to tell us the truth. And we need to receive it when it happens. If we don't have anyone that has permission to speak into our life, then we're in a position where we can be deceived. And we all have blind spots. I remember Frank talking about blind spots. We all have blind spots, things we don't see about ourselves, things we don't see that's going on around us. We need someone else to point them out to us. Proverbs 27.9 The heartfelt counsel of a friend is sweeter than perfume or incense. Having real friendships helps us fight our battles because we don't fight alone. So having real friendships gives us people that fight alongside us. Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times. And a brother is born for adversity. There are friends that are like brothers and sisters that stick with you through everything. And you don't want to push those people away ever. Be the kind of friend that helps people fight their battles. Be the kind of friend that doesn't bail when it's difficult. Be the kind of friend that sticks around because that's what community is all about, isn't it? That's what this is all about. We're here to help each other fight our battles. We're here to be here for each other. We're here to fight together, aren't we? That's what community is all about. And the church is meant to be the healthiest community on the planet. The healthiest community on the planet. So we're here to be a family not just a family, we're here to be an army and we're here to do damage to the kingdom of darkness and to build the kingdom of light Jesus is our awesome commander he goes before us he leads us into battle and we know that when he goes before us there's only one outcome and that's victory that's victory for all of us Proverbs 18:24 One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And I believe that's talking about those people in our lives that stick with us but it's also talking about Jesus. He's the friend who is closer than a brother that never never leaves us. He's always with us. He's always with us. So I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes again. And I just want to give you an opportunity... If you haven't invited Jesus to be your commander, your Lord, your saviour, I just want to give you an opportunity right now to just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I don't want to fight battles alone anymore. I need someone that's going to fight for me. So, if you haven't done that, I just want to give you an opportunity right now. Just while every head is bowed, just raise your hand and just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I want you to fight for me. I want you to be the friend that sticks closer than a brother. you want to invite him in just raise your hand and then you can put it down again thank you jesus thank you jesus thanks for joining today it would be so awesome to see you at church this sunday if you'd like to know more about service times or simply want to find out more about church head to our website riveredgechurch.com.au